Travis Dodds. This is Greg Oddie. And you're listening to Amato's Fifth Quarter. Welcome everyone to the fourth installment of A5Q. I'm your host Dan and today we've got a very special guest on. We've got a legend of Australian ice hockey, an absolute icon of the Australian Ice Hockey League. We've got Greg Oddie, who is my special guest today and he'll be coming on to have a bit of a chat about his upbringing uh, and, and his his career in the AIHL and, and ice hockey here in Australia. He... Um, was born into an ice hockey family. His uh, his father actually founded the Adelaide Avalanche, which later became the Adelaide Adrenaline, which is, of course, the South Australian Ice Hockey Club. So Greg Oddie is certainly up there as one of the greatest ice hockey players Australia has ever produced and would certainly be up there, in, I mean, in my opinion, and I think most people would agree with me, is the greatest player to ever play in the Australian Ice Hockey League and leads Everything, literally everything. Most games played, most points scored, most goals, most assists out of any player that's ever played in the AIHL. Played 383 games for the Adelaide Avalanche and the Adelaide Adrenaline. He won three championships with the club, or sorry, two with the Adelaide Avalanche and then one um, with the the rebranded Adelaide Adrenaline. He's a two-time leading goal scorer. He is an MVP he was the captain of the Adelaide Adrenaline from 2008 to 2016, and he was also the captain of Australia and was a part of the Australian squad that made Division One in the world, so the highest standard of international ice hockey. Now, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work out that ice hockey is not a big sport here in Australia. It's certainly you know, drowned out by the likes of AFL and the NRL and, and Cricket Australia and these sort of, these sort of brands, but Hopefully with more people talking about it, more people watching it and, and more people being engaged in the sport, we can one day see ice hockey on an upward trajectory 
and really become, you know, a, a, a much loved sport here in Australia. That would be great. And Greg Oddie's really passionate about that. And you'll, you'll notice that definitely in this chat. So it was a really interesting chat to listen to him and, and listen to how hard it is to make it in ice hockey, you know, not just in Australia, but to, to make the big leagues like the NHL is really hard and you have to be the best of the best. And you literally, to, to, to make the NHL, you pretty much have to play from the age of like eight or nine years old. So it was a really interesting chat and I really hope, even if you're not a big ice hockey fan, hopefully you will get something really, really good out of this episode because I really enjoy talking to the great man and he's a great bloke to chat to. So let's bring him on. From the Adelaide Avalanche, Adelaide Adrenaline, and the Australian national team, it's Greg Oddie about to come onto the ground. But here comes Greg Oddie, moving in shorthanded on a breakaway. Oddie to the net, Oddie shoots, and he scores! Centering play to Oddie, with the speed fire, scores! Oh, captain, my captain, Greg Oddie, with a burst of speed, and he puts it by ball. Oddie drives towards the crease and scores, gets his second. Oh, oh. Welcome back to Amato's fifth quarter, and today my very special guest is Greg Oddie from the Adelaide Avalanche, Adelaide Adrenaline, and Australian national team. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. All good. What are you up to now in retirement? Because it's been now what two and a half years since you since you retired from from ice hockey. What have you been up to since? And and do you miss the game? Yes and no. So I mean, we got a um, we got three three little ones. So when I say little ones, we got a one year old, a seven year old, and a nine year old. So. Um, they've been, you know, taking up a lot of my time, a lot of school sport, and um, so yeah, really haven't had much time to think about hockey. Um, and then obviously with this year, with the season um, getting cancelled, it made it a bit easier. Um, but outside of that, no, just getting doing a bit of coaching and um, yeah, just sitting back and enjoying having some time off. So where do you see sort of the ice hockey in Australia at the moment? Obviously, it was devastating what's happened this year with with the COVID and everything and ice hockey one of the the few sports that have been just cancelled altogether this year where do you see it's at and and what are you hoping to see next year in the the Australian Ice Hockey League? Yeah and I think I think like a lot of sports it's um it's gonna you know every, every sport's you know facing the same challenges right you know a lot of them miss this season um so yeah just getting back and I think you know obviously the players will be eager to get back out on the ice that won't be an issue um but just getting imports down you know how that looks ultimately that's um, you know it's about putting a product on the ice right and if imports can't come down that's going to have a huge impact on, on the league um, but also fans so you know getting them back and um, engaged and things like that because you know they've had a year off and yeah, you would hope that they'll come back but um, again you know a bit of time away people find different things on that so yeah there's going to be a lot of challenges I think moving forward you were sort of always destined to play ice hockey, weren't you? You, you grew up in an ice hockey family with your, your father Steve and, and mother Janet and your brother John. They, they were always big ice hockey fans. Did your parents actually play ice hockey? Yes, yeah, so it actually went back a bit further. Um, so mum's dad um, started the first ice rink down here in Adelaide, um, in Highland Street in the city there. And yeah, so mum met dad, dad was playing. Um, and then really they got us kids involved at a pretty early age. So it's, it's run through the family for, for quite some time. Um, you know, mum's side of the family, they were, her sister was speed skating um, in the Olympics there, a couple of Olympics. So it's, our sports has ran through the family. Um, and it's just something we fell into really early and really enjoyed and I guess um, ran with, you know. So was it your was it your father that founded the Adelaide Avalanche? Yeah, so Jim, so Steve Oddie and Jim Thilthorpe, um, both, yeah, founders of the, essentially the league too, the, the Australian Ice Hockey League, um, there was three teams, um, so them along with Wayne Kelly from the Sydney Bears and John Rout from the Canberra Knights, 
Um, yeah, basically started the, not only the teams, but the, well, the Sydney Bears were running but in the East Coast Super League. Um, but they yeah, started the, the Australian Ice Hockey League and the Avalanche. We played exhibition games in 97 um, just to get a bit of a taste of you know how, how it looks. And, um, and then we got going in 99 with, I think, four or five teams in the league. So were you at all involved in that process? I was a bit, well, probably more so my brother. So John was involved in that. Um, so John was really um, instrumental in helping Dad, um, you know, with a lot of... Because, yeah, there's a lot to, I guess, digest. And a lot, a lot of people saying it couldn't work. Um, a lot of people... Had, when I say a lot, there'd be a few, there's been a few people before that had tried it um, to get it off the ground. And, you know, it always came back to one thing, money. Um, so there's a lot of people saying it couldn't happen. Um, but... I guess I looked at a lot of the positives and, you know, how it could happen. And, yeah, so I wasn't really involved in that. Was because I was probably, what, 16, whereas my brother's about four or five years older. Um, yeah, he was probably more more in that role. With my dad, yeah, he, so he worked with that on, on, you know, how how we could get a team up and running and how we could get it to work, really. And that first exhibition game for the Avalanche you, you mentioned, coached by John Botterill, the only coach in Adelaide Avalanche history, then obviously coached the first two seasons at the Adrenaline, I've seen interviews with him and stuff. He seems like a fascinating man. What was what was your relationship like with him? Yeah, so John's, yeah, probably if you look at people that have had, you know, some of the most impact in my career, um, he's right up there, you know, in the top, in the, yeah, next to, next, next to my dad, I guess, um, John, it would be John Bottrell. Um, he w- was there, you know, when I started playing, so I was lucky to have him coach me as a kid um, and really, you know, through, through the ranks and, um, so yeah, he was the third, first coach of the Avalanche um, in 97 when we played exhibition. Um, and really, I mean, the way he went about things was, um, you know, exactly, you know, the, the results on the ice reflected the way he coached. I mean, everyone was very passionate. Um, you know, we, anyone that came to the games in the early days would, would definitely get their money's worth. Um, we had, yeah, we were a really good team. And I think everyone wanted to play for John. That was the main thing. And everybody, everybody wanted to go into battle for John because he was such a great, great guy, great coach, was a great player. Um, so we were very lucky to have them in those early years. So you progressed through the, the local national junior development system with the Blackhawks in, in Adelaide, is that, that correct? Uh, yeah, the Adelaide Blackhawks, yeah. Yeah, and, and you won four A-grade MVPs in five seasons, club major point scorer five times in six years, and the Blackhawks won seven straight premierships. So surely you knew growing up that you had ability to be a very good player. Yeah, well, I was very fortunate to, to come into the, the Blackhawk system because we had a lot of um, really good players. Um, you know, so like I said, my brother, um, Adrian Von Heinem, Chris Rurak, you know, Craig Campbell, Gordy Cochran, um, just uh, Bruce Poling. So guys that really took me under their wing as a you know, 14, 15-year-old coming in. Um, and yeah, very fortunate in those early days to, to get a few championships. And I think I think we ended up winning about you know, eight or nine. And I think you know, the league obviously changed a lot when the Avalanche came in. Um, you know, it became more of a, you know, some guys played, some didn't, others focused just on Avalanche. So, for those earlier years, yeah, we were lucky to have a lot of success um, and a lot of fun. And I think most of those years, too, I took off about halfway through the season, so to go go to Canada. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty easy to come back and forth. And I, I really enjoyed my time playing with the Blackhawks there. That would have been probably midway through the season. And I think we, we just after Goodall Cup, so we, we beat uh, New South Wales in the finals there in Adelaide. Um, probably a game we shouldn't have won. I think we lost eight. I think eight one nine one during the um, the earlier matchup with them. I think a few days earlier. But we yeah we got we, we won the final. Um, and then I'm pretty sure I was on a plane about a week or two later. 
um, over to yeah to Saskatchewan there to to start my I guess yeah midget career. So what what's it like over there in, in Canada, just in everyday living, and also play ice hockey? Oh, they, they just live and breathe hockey. It's um, it's, it's crazy how you know. Like obviously, had a, we've been over there a few times, you know, touring with different national teams as, as a kid, and but um, just to go over there and live and breathe it every day, um, it's a bit of an eye opener, and it's something that um, yeah, I definitely try and you know encourage most kids that are coming up and, and enjoy hockey to, to get over there and, and, and do that because. Um, yeah, everybody plays hockey. Everybody talks hockey. Everybody watches hockey. You can't get away from it, and it's um, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a great country, and um, yeah, especially if you love hockey. What about your first, the first time you you represented Australia? Because I believe that was under 15s nineteen ninety three in Canada. Uh, yeah, I think it was a touring team. I don't think, yeah, that was um, maybe an under fifteen, under sixteen team. Do you remember um, much from that experience? I do, yeah, I do remember quite a bit. I remember um, Team Ranch and things like that. So we went to the hockey school and um, got to meet, you know, a couple of legends of, you know, like Ron Ellis and um, stuff like that, guys that, you know, played Canada Cups. And um, so it gave me a bit of a taste of what to, um, you know, what to, what was coming down the track. Um, you know, if I could go back and do it again, I probably would have stayed there. Oh, really? Um, well, I think if, you, if you're serious about it, um, you know, like you look at Nathan Walker, for example. I mean, if, if you're if you're going to go all the way, you really need to get over there at an early age. Um, like I'm talking, you know, 12, 13. Yeah, you still want to get into the system, and you want to, um, yeah, if you can. But it's just, um, I loved it over there, and I spent I think a month over there before the team got there. Um, I'm just very fortunate to to go over there and, and just play hockey every day, really, in Toronto, and um, you know, school holidays and stuff like that. So yeah, really, that was a really good trip, and. You know, we had a really good group of guys from around the country that, um, that yeah, we got to see some good hockey over there. So, yeah, a lot of good memories from that one. And what's it like to put that jumper on and, and represent your country? Well, there's no better feeling, I think. You know, when you play you play hockey over here, I think putting on the green and gold, there's no no better feeling. It's, um, it's the pinnacle, really. It's um, you're going into battle with, um, you know, guys that you normally go into battle with, you know, throughout the year. And you put that all aside and... Um, yeah, there's just you know standing on the blue line after a win or something, singing that anthem. It's um, it's a pretty cool feeling, and yeah, definitely something I, I do miss. But um, yeah, something that um, you know, I think every kid coming, growing up playing hockey, you know, wants to do. So it's something to really aim for for a lot of kids. And the Avalanche were one of the three foundation clubs of of the AIHL in 2000. Does that come as a, a strong sense of pride to you to be? A part of both the both the Avalanche and the AIHL from the start, and to be able to call yourself, I suppose, an original. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And um, I mean, how, I mean, again, and I talk about um, obviously my dad and, and Jim Billthorpe, very instrumental here. But um, you've also got you know Wayne Kelly is in Sydney and, and John Rouse in Canberra that um, they made it happen. Like they, you know, they, they essentially you know got the league up and running when so many people said it couldn't. You know, it couldn't work. Um, and they gave us, you know, a lot of us, you know, a place to play. I mean, it's one of the challenges in hockey is, um, you know, guys finish, you know, they get to 17, 18, 19 and, you know, get distracted or there's not really anywhere for them to play. But now, I guess with the Australian Ice Hockey League, it's something to aim for. Um, playing in the AIHL is, you know, unbelievable. We get to, you know, travel around the country, see the country, play a good level of hockey. Um, so it's really, yeah, it's just, as you know, it's taken off leaps and bounds in the last... 
Yeah, well, in the eight AIHL seasons, the Avalanche were champions twice, minor premiers five times, runners-up twice. They were very, very successful. What did you put that success down to, and, and why was the club so consistent every single season? Um, I think we we just had a really good really good core of um, local players, uh, and also obviously some guys that are naturalised, the Canadians that have been over here for a couple of years that were no longer imports. Um we were pretty pretty close, um, you know. Given that we a lot of us had been playing against each other for for a number of years, right? I guess going into battle with each other, hating each other, we came together pretty quickly as a group. Um, and again, it was pretty fresh. It was it was exciting, you know, playing in front of packed houses. Um, and I just think we had, we had a team that was just we had a very tough team. I mean, you, I remember the earlier years there was um, teams hated coming to Adelaide. Well, they just hated it because we just, you know, guys like Ben Tilthorpe, Trevor Walsh, Chris Bolesi, you know, um, it was just a tough place to play. And um, the amount of blood that was spilled each night, the amount of guys getting taken to hospital every night, it was uh, in those early days. Um, we, we sent a message pretty quickly around the league that, um, yeah, we weren't going to be pushovers. Uh, and not only that, we actually um, started, you know, winning, winning a few games in that early year, 2000. Um, and again, we won. We won a championship in 2000, probably one that um, no one expected us to win. But just yeah, we found a way in that final, and um, yeah, I think it was a penalty shootout at the end against the Sydney Bears. Probably, probably the best game, the, the most enjoyable game I've ever played in, um, because it just had everything. You should know by now that we have quarter time breaks here on A5Q, and it's the perfect opportunity to remind you. That last episode, I had one of the legends of the A-League, Travis Dodd, who came on the show and shared his stories of his A-League career, his time with Adelaide United, Perth Glory, and also the Australian national team. If you missed that episode, here's a quick little snippet of it. We've grown up with it, um, and I guess it's, that's the expectation. Is that, you know, it's great to finish top, but people don't remember who finished top. People remember who won the grand final, um, and... You know, at the end of the day, having having lost five grand finals during my career, it's it's the one thing that I, would, I just wish could have could have happened differently. Um, you know, to have won one grand final because you know, it's the that's the ultimate goal in, in your playing career is to to win titles. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't uh, lucky enough to to be one of those players. You guys definitely need to check out the full episode. It was absolutely brilliant. So go back and listen to it. But until then, let's get back to Greg Oddie. The first championship in 2000, there's only three teams in the league, the Avalanche, the Sydney Bears, and the Canberra Knights. You finished second, and then you beat the Bears, as you said, in overtime over there in, in the New South Wales. What are some of those memories from that particular game and that season? And what's it like to win a championship with your brother? So we um, we had we had probably two of the best imports um, in the league that year. So we had a couple of um, David Clark and Neil Lydia from the UK. And the, Clarkie is um, probably one of the UK all-time greats in terms. Of, I think he's the number one point scorer in the in the UK elite league there. Um, just retired recently. But even with those two guys, we, we struggled to beat Sydney throughout the year. I think it was nine one. We lost probably three or four weeks leading into that final. Those, those two guys went home. Uh, had to go home early for training camp. Um, so we brought in a couple of other guys that um, probably weren't, you know, if you look at their resume, you wouldn't get too excited, overly excited, but um, they just they just fit and um, they, they played their role. And 
we went to that final, and even the final, I think we were down, you know, four one in the third or something, and we just didn't give up. I remember scoring. We scored a couple of late goals. Um, I think John scored with about 25, 30 seconds left. So we had a, I think a power play um, overtime, which just end there. And if you watch the highlights from overtime, it was just it was pretty savage out there. Um, but yeah. we definitely put the away. And uh, and then went the shootout, and we managed to yeah, I think we won the shootout two one. And what about winning the MVP that year? Does it does winning an MVP in a championship year make the award even more special? Oh, I, I mean, I, didn't, I can't remember the, the, the MVP award. I think I was that excited to um, the fact that we beat Sydney Bears um, in that final. I mean, you got to think Sydney Sydney were such a strong team then. I mean, they were you know so established that you know they dominated the East Coast throughout the nineties. Um, they played together for a long time. They were stacked, you know, from from top to bottom. So I think. The other stuff, yeah, like even the, um, yeah, like you said, the awards night and stuff like that. I don't remember a whole lot of that because I think the um, we celebrated pretty hard for quite some time and a bit of it was a bit of a blur after the game. But we we got home to Adelaide. We nearly missed our flight after the game because our flight, you know, back back in those days, you, you would play and then well, you, you still do a bit, but you, you would be on that flight from you know seven o'clock. So we we were getting yelled out in the change room to hurry up and get to the airport. Um, and I remember getting out, we went to the city afterwards and there was like three or four guys that had to go to hospital to get stitched up before coming out. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, like Chris Molesic, Ben Tilthorpe. Um, there's a number of guys that were in hospital for for a couple of hours after they landed in Adelaide just so they could um, yeah, come out that night. So, yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable uh, kind of, yeah, weekend. So, so how do you view that championship looking back 20 years later? Do you still keep in contact with the guys you played with and... And what does it mean to you now, reflecting? Oh, yeah. Listen, I mean, you're talking guys like, um, obviously, my brother, um, Eric Lane, who's one of my best mates, um, Ben Lockhill-Thorpe, um, Chris Pulesic, Trevor Walsh, Glenn Lowell, you know, all those guys, legends of um, Australian ice hockey. Um, yeah, so we, we see each other quite a bit, you know, um, some guys more than others. But, um, yeah, we've, I think we're, now that you bring it up, I think we're due for a reunion this year. Yeah, we're doing um, a year reunion. Maybe try and recreate that last night <laughs> after the final. Um, so, yeah, no, really, yeah, I've got a lot of, Pavel Bohasic, so he, you know, we used to, Pavel used to play for the Tigers in local league, and we used to go to war against that guy, um, you know, for the years leading in. Um, so when, when he came in that year and, and, and took that captaincy, it was, it was a, like a great decision by um, Bossy, because I think that really united the, the group. You know, there wasn't, we didn't have any, I think it really brought us together, um, which was a diff- very difficult given we had all been playing against each other for, for quite some time. And what about the year after? Because you won 15 games, Sydney Bears only won seven. You finished top and then defeated Sydney again 10-7 in Adelaide. Uh, it's very hard in, in any sporting code to go back-to-back. Uh, I think Paul Lawson was the, the major scorer with about 38 yeah. points. What what made that team, what like what made that era so good that you could actually go back-to-back? I think, um, and again, I give my dad a lot of credit for this, and obviously Jeff Dillthorpe, but the way they recruited in those early years, they really set the bar in terms of um, the type of import that, um, you know, was going to be successful down here. And so Paul Lawson, Charlie Lawson, um, obviously Eric Lane went in net. But, um, yeah, those guys, those two guys were head and shoulders above, I think, anyone else in the league. Um, we, I don't I don't remember dropping a game. That, I missed half of that season um, through suspension. But um, I, I, I don't remember dropping a game that season. We were so confident going into, you know, playing different teams that, we just we just knew we were going to win, which is um, you know if you look at successful teams over the last twenty years in the AIHL, they 
you know, there's times where you just know that, you know, when you go out there, you're going to win that night. Um, and that was one of them for us. You just um, had that yeah, confidence. Finals, I think the finals were probably, um, was one of the closer games, but I don't think, I don't remember ever looking at a game. They were never really in it, I don't think, Sydney. Um, even though the scoreline was 10 7, I think, we always felt like we had it under control. It, just, it was just one of those games where very offensive and, um, yeah, we just, we just had Sydney's number that year. And the year after was the first season with playoff system. Again, best team in the competition, undefeated, minor premiers. I think it was Dylan Martini won the MVP. You had a great season, 17 points, but you go out 4-1 in the semi-final to the Sydney Ice Dogs. What went wrong? So I remember playing a lot with uh, probably one of my funnest years. I played with Derek DeCosti, who, again, probably one of the best imports we've ever had down here. Um, you know, some huge numbers in the East Coast Hockey League and you know, over in the UK and things like that. But um, So I played with him in Walshie and again, we didn't do much wrong throughout the year. It was just um, the way the AIHL set up, you know, like the, the finals, um, it's do or die, right? It's sudden death. Um, so when you travel and, you know, anything can really happen. And I mean, you take the good with the bad because, I mean, sometimes when you win games that you should, you know, against teams that you should. But um, that was one of those years where we just ran into a hot ice dogs. Um, I think, yeah, it was 4-1. Um, they, they played a great game. I'm pretty sure they went on to, to win the championship that year. And, yeah, we started a really good rivalry with them, but they were pretty pretty stacked team, the ice dogs. So, yes, I think we're above them in the standings, but um, you look back at their roster and, you know, they probably had seven, eight, nine national team players on that team. And it doesn't, it doesn't really... You could be the best team in the competition, but if you don't get it done in finals, then it, you don't really get anything for it, I suppose. No, you don't. And I mean, again, just, you're playing in, you know, the thing with the RHL format, and it still has, I mean, one thing hasn't changed in 20 years, is you don't get rewarded for a good regular season, right? You don't get home finals, you don't get, um, you know, second chances or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's just the way it is. And, yeah, I remember that year. That was probably... To be honest, that, that wasn't even one of the, the tougher ones, you know. The one, I guess some of the tougher ones were, were still, you know, ahead um, in terms of disappointing finals. Was it 2005 you, you made the grand final? Yeah, so 2005, I would say probably our best, you know, the best team that we've ever had. Um, you know, that year, again, a lot of credit to, to obviously Jim Thilthorpe, my dad, and I forget, bringing in imports like the quality of, you know, Steve McKenna, you know, straight from the Pittsburgh Penguins, really, um, during a lockout. Um, so to get a guy like that down in the league, I think he scored nine goals, played with Mario and Yaga, you know, 12 months earlier. And so we were playing alongside him. And I, I don't, I'm pretty sure he, he rocked up, he, he rocked up into um, to Adelaide. It's quite funny. We took him down, we picked him up from the airport and um, he took us out. So we thought we were taking him home. He took us out. And I've never seen a man crush, crush so many beers before in my life. Um, <laughs> I think we probably... I, I, yeah, we, we had a photo shoot the next morning and the, the three guys that went out with Steve right, could get out of bed. Um, and Steve did make it there. Um, but he was, I guess, yeah, he was, um, yeah, cause that six foot eight frame, he could hold a few more. But um, he was, he came down and he was probably the easiest import we ever had when, when the reality is he should have been, you know, one of those that would rock up to Canberra first game and go, you know, I'm going home. Um, he embraced it and um, our first road trip was in Canberra with Steve, so. I remember we rocked up the camera and, you know, the change room had no roof and the, the toilet was the bin. Um, he loved it. He, he had a lot of fun. I remember we dropped that game too in Canberra, that, which um, I think we lost in overtime. And uh, we like, I don't think we dropped another game for the rest of the year. Um, I'm pretty sure we, it was, you know, 
we went undefeated the remainder of the year and we just had such a great team. Tanner Schultz, um, we had Darcy Corcoran who, again, great import Dylan Martini. We were just stacked up to bottom, you know, defence to offence. So what is it, what's the feeling like when you when you lose a grand final? It's tough because it, it happens so quick. You don't have, um, and again, there's no second chance. So you, you know, look, but that year, for example, we, we played, I think, Sydney in the semi and I think we, I think it was pretty comfortable. I think it was a four or five one or something, I remember. Um, and then the following night, we just, we ran into, you know, a, a, a good team. Like, so Newcastle had been, in this, I think, the league for a couple of years and I mean, credit to Gary Dore, Gary Dore, um, so like, like the adrenaline, Gary Dore um, really set the bar with the imports that he brought in. So he recruited well. Um, I don't think they, in terms of local talent, I don't remember, I don't think, outside of Matt Ezzy, sorry, I mean, Ezzy was by far the best goalie, you know, the local goalie in the league. Um, but it was more so those imports that they had, they, they just found a way on the night and we, we couldn't score an Ezzy. So I think it was 3-1, I think the final. Yeah, that's right. Um, and just ran into a hot goalie. So... You obviously played in a lot of great avalanche sides. Do you feel that you won two? But do you ever feel I could have won more? Yeah, you, you do. I mean, you look at that. That I think eight years, nine years, eight years, eight year period, the avalanche. Um, yeah. You know, we played playoffs. I think all eight seasons. Um, we made probably, like I said, yeah, five grand finals. Yeah. So yeah, no doubt you'd expect to win more. Um, but I mean, you go back. I mean, in hindsight, you, you know. What do you do? You know, you, we're pretty fortunate we won we won those two in, in that period. But yeah, it would have been great to win four or five. Um, but we could also be like the Cameron Knights, right? And win none. So yeah, right. Um, yeah, you know, we saw how hard they you know, it took them like 18, 19 years to play in a final. And um, so yeah, you look at it and go, well, yeah, if you go back and change things, it would be great to win a couple more. But um, it's just the way it is, you know, the way the way it worked out. And what about your stints in England and also Belgium? What was the standard of ice hockey in England and Belgium, and and what was it like living living over there? Yeah, so basically after junior, so played um, three years in Mirage in Canada, and then the following year went over to Finland. Um, so one of the guys, one of our national team coaches, set me up over there, but um, wasn't quite enjoying it as much. You know, it was very difficult. Um, you know, the language barriers. And, yeah, the coldest place outside of Saskatchewan. But um, anyway, my brother um, he had teed up an opportunity over in the UK for me in Romford. So I went over there, finished the season, um, had a great time over there. Um, the hockey was, yeah, I mean, it's a really good place. A lot of expats over there, the imports, some good imports. So you're talking, you know, seven or eight imports instead of four. So that changes things a lot. Um, enjoyed, there, enjoyed my time there in Romford, came home and then, went to Belgium I think the following year um, and Belgium was probably the most enjoyable year of hockey one of the most enjoyable years of hockey I've ever had um, just a really good setup up uh, HYC um, parent was there and the team kind of embraced me and we had, we had a really good time and made some, um, some great friends there and yeah just um, couldn't, couldn't recommend Belgium anymore really to be honest Did you struggle with the language barrier? No everyone, everyone spoke English in Belgium so it was Oh really? Very rarely, yeah, very rarely. So there's two sides. There's um, there's up north and there's south. Uh, north's a lot more English. So when you uh, yeah, so we're we're near Antwerp. So um, yeah, it was, it was it wasn't an issue at all because we played against them a lot in the World Championships. So like I say, like every year we played Belgium. That became um, yeah, that was that was quite good too. So I kind of knew a few of the guys already. 
Um, right. But yeah, so no, the English wasn't it. But when we went and played down in Brussels and that stuff like that, that, that changed a lot, like in terms of the language. Um, yeah, like I think I would have struggled down there a bit more. Referee says, fellas, take a break. It's half time. Hey everyone, I just want to say a very big thank you to those who have engaged with A5Q. I really do appreciate all the support. I trust you're enjoying delving into all things Australian sport and hopefully you will continue to stick around. It would be a massive help if you could please do me a solid, subscribe to the podcast and hit me up with a rating and a review. Gaining as much positive feedback as possible helps boost my visibility and it allows the podcast to be seen by other Australian sports tragics out there. Now, enough of that. Let's get back into it because the second half of A5Q is about to get underway. What about the events at the Avalanche? So in 2008, the club folded and became the Adelaide A's, which later became the Adrenaline. What was it like at that time when the Avalanche folded and what were the major reasons behind that? Um, yeah, so they, we sold the team. Um, my dad and Chip sold the team um, after 2006. I don't think they can deal with any more grand final losses. I think, <laughs> I think they, they, they'd thrown everything into it. They'd thrown a heap of money into it. They um, they were just exhausted. And I think, yeah, a lot of people were. Um, so they felt like they'd, they'd taken it as far as they could. Um, so we had a guy from the UK who bought the team, um, Alan Yarrow, who came over from the UK. And, um, yeah, so he had some big plans. Um, what didn't work out. Um, I, you know, I think it was. Um, I think he came down here hoping that um, the team would, you know, pay its pay its way and also, you know, and some. But the reality is, hockey's no one's making any money out of hockey teams in Australia. If they are, I'd love to know. <laughs> I'd love to meet them. Yeah, it is. It um, is unfortunate. But yeah, like, like I, and I, I mean, like I said, I, anyone that comes in puts their own money into it. I got a lot of respect for Alan coming down here and, and doing that because I think, you know. I saw what Dad did, and I saw you know Jim Tilthorpe did. I know what Wayne Elliott, you know those guys, John Rout. The amount of money that you know they're throwing it out of their own pocket, um, so so all of us can have a better place to play. It, it does take its toll, and I think um, yeah, with the with that, I think with Alan, I think it was about a year, year and a half. Um, so Steve McKenna was coaching us, um, and I think yeah, just got he got. Some, yeah, something happened. And anyway, we were seven and zero. I think. I think it was two thousand and eight. We were seven and zero. We had a great start. Steve was going to actually start playing because he had got his um, he's got his residency from from coaching the national team. So you think you know Steve McKenna wanting to settle down in Adelaide, not anymore. We've got Mel Anglestead coming over, like the, the most feared man in hockey. Um, like, our team's looking pretty good, right, for the next little bit. Um, and then um, Steve McKenna got fired. And yeah, so Steve got fired for no, I don't know the reason. I think it was um, something between him and Alan. So we had a bunch of guys quit. Um, you know, Chris Blessing, you know, Trevor Walsh, the team kind of fell apart. Um, yeah, the team folded essentially. I think it was midway through the year. So the rank came in, uh, John Washington came in, took it over, Adelaide A's. I think we played a few, few games just to finish out of the year. Um, and yeah, it was, that, it, was, it was a tough period, but at the same time, I think. Um, yeah, it was, it was just one of those times where, you know, we needed to change and, yeah, what, what, what we're doing wasn't working out, wasn't, uh, the setup wasn't working. So was that disappointing, saddening for you? Because obviously that's something that has been such a big part of your your life, to see the, the avalanche no longer around? It was. Um, I mean, I, yeah, it was because I thought, but I was pretty confident we would, we, we would 
remain. Um, like in terms of in the league, just under different ownership. You know, like I think if had to go, it wasn't going to happen. I think Dad would have come back and taken it over again. But um, I think there was a plan put in place, and the, the rank kind of took over that team. John Botcher was working out the rank, um, so it was just a matter of yeah, getting through that season um, and then starting off fresh in 2009. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't but it was tough and I mean we thought we were coming back as the avalanche but then that started getting messy with um, you know ownership and naming rights and stuff like that we weren't allowed to so that, that hence why the new name um, but no it was, a, it was a new chapter really and looking back on it it was um, yeah but it wasn't the end of the world we still had a national league team and we still yeah it was just, it was just under different you know circumstances well you couldn't have really started off on a better note because you won a championship in 2009 finished third and then beat Newcastle 3-2 in overtime in Newcastle. That was your last championship. Was that different to winning one in an avalanche jumper, to win one for the adrenaline? Was it was it a different sort of feeling? Not, re- uh, not really, because I think um, that was, a, that was a, uh, earlier that year, 2009, I broke my jaw in Lithuania. So I missed the first half of that 2009 season. Um, came, for the, came back for the back half. I think I played maybe I don't know, eight or nine games. Oh, yeah, that's maybe. right, yes. Yeah, so, so I was out for most of that season. So I came back to the back half, and uh, we made it start making a good push for the to the finals. Um, I think we, and again, it was it was us and Newcastle. I think Newcastle were the team that were giving us, you know, we, we had the most battles with. Like, I think we probably played four or five grand finals against them in the last, you know, five years. Um, so we, we played Melbourne in the semis, I think, that year. And I don't, like, I don't think we lost to Melbourne in the first seven or eight years in the league, I think. We always had Melbourne's number. Um, that, that kind of challenge obviously changed in the last few years. But, um, yeah, yeah, so we yeah definitely. The, played them in the semi. Uh, I think it was pretty comfortable. I think it was 5-1 or something. And then Newcastle in the final. And we just um, we just played a hell of a hockey game. And I think we, we had you know, Vincent Morgan was a late addition. So he was over from uh, Belgium. So when I got one of the captain of the team, I played over in Belgium. Um, we had Mikey Werner. So the Canadian... Um, Olivier Martin in there, so he was just starting to come into his own. And it was, I remember that game just being back and forth. I think it was you know a one goal game, pretty much throughout the um, throughout the first you know the forty five or the fifty minutes that we play. Um, and then uh, yeah, overtime. So uh, yeah, it happened pretty quick. I think it was in the first minute or so. Um, I think um, yeah, Jeremy one of our imports, Jeremy Burns won the draw back, and then Cass got a, a tip on it. Cass also. And, we finally got one over Ezzy, which was good because um, Ezzy had had a number for the last um, those two years later, two or three years later into that. Do you appreciate winning a championship more when you're a little bit older? Because obviously the first two were when you were quite young. Like, do you appreciate it a little bit more and and how rare those opportunities are? I think when you when you're in the moment, you don't really think of it. You know, you just assume you're going to be back there the following year. Um, you know, especially those earlier ones. So I thought we were gonna, you know, it's just the way it is, right? You play, we go out there, we dominate, we play finals as a team, you know, because we had such a good team. Um, and then you look back on it and go, well, we, you know, we did play a lot of finals the first ten years. Um, but when it stops, you don't. You think it's just temporary, so you think, you know, you miss the finals for a year. Um, you'll be back there next year, right? And next year you're not back there, and then you, okay, well, it's not gonna happen three years, right? Um, and it's just. Yeah, it just, it's one of those things that you, you can't see coming and you, you, it's not until after you're done playing you look back on it and go, you know, it's why it's so much easier as an older guy telling you know, younger guys to enjoy the moment right now and embrace it. You know, if you're playing finals, like you enjoy it because you don't know if it's going to happen again. 
Um, and you look at any sport, you know, you look at AFL, you look at NHL, you look at, you know, teams that miss finals. Sometimes it can be a few years before you get back there. Sometimes it can be, you know, five or six years. Sometimes um, longer. Yes, you've got to you've got to enjoy the good with the bad. You know, you look at I look at Melbourne and go Melbourne. I don't think we lost to Melbourne in the first six years, right? I don't think they played a grand final until they they moved into that new rank, two thousand and ten. Um, you look at Canberra; they had you know fifteen years of pretty much um, you know missing finals. Now, now you know they're now they're, they're unstoppable. The yeah, now they're the favourites, and even now they, I think they just won the one. And they would probably look at it and go, "Well, we should probably have won three or four in the last five years. We were that good." Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Newcastle, you know, like it's just, you have your teams have their moment, and I think you've got to take the good with the bad. So we were, we had a really, you know, that first 12 years or whatever, um, we couldn't do much wrong, you know, but then the last five, were, we couldn't do much right, you know. Three years after that championship, you finished bottom with just the five wins. Is that, like, even looking at, like, the Adelaide Crows, for example, in the AFL, made a grand final, lost, and now three years later, they're just in no man's land. Similar to you guys, do you ever look at that at, in 2012 and do you look back on three years ago and go, I just wish I was back there? Like, is it kind of like a sad feeling? I'm pretty content. Like, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I look at it and go, because I mean, between adrenaline and national team, so fortunate. And um, yeah, like in terms of getting to play in a lot of those grand finals or world gold medal games. And, um, so no, not so much, but I think for some of the guys, I mean, you like after me and that, you want to see him, you know, get some success and play in some finals. Um, do I wish I could go back to 2012? I guess, well, yeah, we do things differently maybe, but I think it just coincided like after that with a lot of our core players having kids. Um, yeah, that definitely on, makes an impact. On, yeah, it does. Yeah, being on the wrong side of 30 doesn't help. Um, so it just, you look back and go, we, it's probably reflective in, you know, where we're at as a team and where guys are at. Like, um, personally um we just a lot of core guys we didn't have a lot of young we had a few younger guys coming through but they weren't quite taking that next step um so as much as you try and fast track that sometimes you can't right and our recruiting i thought our recruiting was pretty poor in those last you know four or five years um yeah i don't think we you know in terms of getting the right four imports um i think we missed the market bit so you just need a lot of things to go right and um yeah, we obviously that you know those last few years it did, but um, it is harder when, once you get a lot of you guys over, you know, over thirty. And what's it like when a professional athlete makes that decision to retire? When when you say to yourself, "It's all over," is that how did you come to that decision, and what was the emotion like? Um, I think I just um, yeah, I mean, I thought about it for a while. I didn't retire until the start of the season, so I mean, a lot of guys retire at the end of the season. Um, because I wanted to make sure that was, was the right decision. Um, so I kind of retired before the 2018 season. And I think it was just, I did the pre-season. I, you know, looked around the room. I didn't really, um, it was, things were different, right? Um, a lot of guys, a lot of the guys that I'm not playing with weren't there anymore. And I probably just wasn't enjoying it as much. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, the kids were, you know, three, four, start, about to start, you know, school and, um, in kidney and that and just the commitments on the weekends were taking you know I wanted to put my energies elsewhere and I thought I you know, had a pretty good ride right um, you're done your dash sort of thing give, yeah something, something had to give and I thought I just stopped um, I sort of stopped enjoying coming to the rank you know as much as I used to so and I think that's like most guys they yeah there's a moment you know like a light bulb moment where they go 
you know, this is the right time and that was the right time. Greg, I wouldn't mind going back to just your national career. 2008 Division Two World Championships where Australia shared the hosting with Romania. You won a gold medal winning five of five games for your country. That's a huge moment in Australian Ice Hockey League. Surely, along with the domestic championships, that would stand, I assume, near the top of your achievements? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, the, we were part of a group. And again, that, that group went through, we went through quite a bit those couple of years before. Um, playing against, um, you know, even Croatia and South Korea. We were so close to winning gold. We were, we were going, you know, head to head with those teams. And I think, you know, the year before, a couple of years before, we'd lost to Croatia with a second to go for the gold medal game. Um, so winning in Newcastle was, you know, was massive, and I think you know, no team had ever done that. Like no Aussie team had ever to go to Division One, um, an Australian, you know, hockey team was just unheard of. And we had a group of guys that, um, yeah, we created history. And I think, um, but again, there was a lot in those years leading in. I think to, that made that happen. With with you know, obviously with um, and also getting a couple of guys naturalised that year too helped. But um, yeah, you, you look at that roster. Yeah, a lot of us have played together for quite a while and uh, or against each other, so very familiar. And um, we just, yeah, there's not much room for error in those tournaments. Like you said, when you play five games, you got to win five games. Um, yeah, there was a couple there that were pretty, you know, could have gone either way, and that's all you need, right, to, to win or lose a, a world championships. And um, yeah, we, we we won it in 2008, and um, it was just massive. Well, 2009, sorry. Yeah, so 2009, you, you got into the World Championship Division 1 in Lithuania and Poland under Steve McKenna. That is the highest level of international ice hockey, and Australia were there. Massive moment for the sport in this country. You lost every game, but what is it like to be on the biggest international stage possible? I was only, I was only on the ice for about 15 minutes because I broke my jaw. One but still, you still, hey, you still played. I don't know, I think it was my second shift. I think the first shift I... Like, welcome to Division One. My first shift, I went to um, so it was against Slovenia, and my first first shift, I went to follow through with a, on a check on my defenseman, and thought I busted my nose. So I'm like, I oh, welcome to Division One. Um, and then my second shift, I think we got scored on, and then my third shift, I think I got that's when I got the puck in the jaw and got carried off. Um, what was the pain so, like? Uh, it was a bit. Well, it was wasn't enjoyable. Um, <laughs> Didn't tickle. I, So, just oh, just you walk in. It's like it's like a it's like a thing out of saw, right? Like you go in there, there's flickering lights. Wow. No one speaks English. There's, there's dogs running around. There's blood on the wall. There's, um, Are you serious? Yeah, serious. And the guy that sewed me up didn't speak to me the whole time. Um, You've been thinking, what are you doing to me? I saw a reflection in half my head. Um, yeah, it was quite swollen, and um, so he wired me shut and just sent me off. He didn't give me any pliers or anything, so I found out later that I meant to have a pair of pliers, right, in case I, uh, in case I needed to you know, cut my way out of it. Um, so if I had a vomit, I would have been dead. And then, uh, yeah, spent the next two weeks in the hotel room, really, and um, while the other guys went and played hockey, just because um, I couldn't fly home, so I had to wait. They, they, the insurance company wouldn't let me fly home, so they had to fly over a nurse to come back with me. Um, so it was the longest a week and a half of my life, really, just 
sat there waiting to go home. That's crazy. Was it worth being in Division 1 for that? Oh, I was. It was just, just like, it was a tough trip, though, you know, just watching, you know, the other guys head to the rank. And, um, yeah, like, would I change the thing? I probably probably would have ducked, I think, if I'd have seen that part coming <laughs> in. But um, outside of that, I think, yeah, it would have, because we were, I mean, I felt like I was also playing my best hockey then, too. Um, like, that was just after I got back from Belgium. That was just after we won the gold in Newcastle. Like, I was really excited to get going in Division 1 and just, um, yeah, we, and so for that to happen in the first, you know, five minutes of the first game, disappointing, but, I mean, hey, that's hockey, right? When you, uh, when you go out there, anything can happen. Um, so, yeah, if I could go back, we'd like, like to play that tournament again. <laughs> Probably, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough tour. We didn't have a very good team that year, so we, a lot of the guys that played Division, division 2, the one goal, didn't go away the following year. Um, which was kind of disappointing, but I mean, it, it, Division One's a whole other step. I mean, I don't know. You've got to be. Yeah, it's just a completely different tournament. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what is the the difference I mean, in standard from Division One and Two? Pretty much, pretty much chasing the puck around the whole game, and you, you play against um, pretty much all professionals. The guys that, um, yeah, I mean, some of these, you know, we played against Kazakhstan, for example, and I think it was. I remember watching the game, and I, I don't. I think it was fifteen. 15 nothing whatever, but the guys didn't even touch the puck. Like Kazakhstan just moved it around because they had all guys from the KHL. Um, so they were just, yeah, they were doing whatever they wanted out there. And um, yeah, there was, just, there was a bit of a gap there, um, like quite a big gap. And I think that was more reflective in the team probably that we sent away. So we had a few new guys, quite a few guys that hadn't played national team before. And it's not the kind of, um, it's not the kind of tournament you want to throw guys in right for the first time. No, you don't want to just then, yeah throw them in. It's literally throwing them, them in the deep end. Yeah, guys getting um playing against you know they're professionals and, and men, when you get hit you, you stay here right. Um, so it was actually uh, hard watching in the stands because I could see what was going to happen before it happened. That changed a lot. So yeah, that next that next uh, visit Division One was a lot different. So to play NHL was that ever a goal for you? Yeah, that was that was something I really wanted to. I mean, I think every kid that plays hockey, um, yeah, wants to play in the NHL. But I think, um, yeah, that, I mean, that was definitely a dream as a kid. And I think, you know, when you're 12, 13, like you know, when you mentioned that that trip to Canada in '93, so it would have been what 12. Um, yeah, you're thinking like I want to come back here. I want to, you know, I want to get back here right away. I want to start training with this, this team here. I want to give this a good crack, right? Um, and then, yeah, you quickly realise so. When you're in Canada, it's just it's so so tough to um, to make the NHL, and it's a reality check. I mean, you go. That's why I, I try and tell kids here, like, if you think you're a good player over here, because you see, you know, some kids that dominate over here, and you know, whatever under 21s or you know, under 18s, under 16s, um, and then even you know, maybe play well in the AHL, go overseas, because um, it'll quickly put you in line, and you'll know, it'll yeah, it's a really good reality check. So. Did you ever gain any interest from NHL, or did it? Have you ever been approached by any NHL clubs? Uh, no. So I guess my best chance, um, if I was ever going to get any interest, it would be after my season at Notre Dame, because um, we had probably four guys go play. A lot of them went to major junior, and then probably three of them played NHL games from that team. Um, but they had been. I mean, the, the things they did, you know, 13, 14, 15, it really set them up for that that period. Um, so they were playing, you know, major, junior, 15, 16. Uh, and you could just tell that they were, they were going to go really 
far in hockey. And um, again, I went over there my first year at Notre Dame when I was 16, and it's still too old. So you really, to be to make the NHL, you pretty much have to start playing from the age of what, like 10 or 12? Oh, you have to, no, you, I, think, no, you have to, I think start earlier, but I think you have to be over in, you know, whether it's Canada or, or Finland or Czech, you know, Republic, you have to be playing, you have to be scouting every day, you know, twice a day. So like when I'm back here and, you know, I was before that, we were training twice a week and playing, you know, one or two games a week, but even that's not enough. And you're probably not getting the coaching either, but, you know, you're probably not working on the things. So the things that the coaches look for when you're overseas, a lot of that, you know, there's not, not a lot of focus on that. Here in Australia, I actually got a guy that can go there and score a couple of goals, but then you watch him defensively. You know, you probably get away with it here and there, but then you go overseas and you get found out pretty quick. Yeah, um, it's just different ball game altogether. Well, yeah, because you, you've got everyone's got certain roles and obviously responsibilities, and so when you're not scoring goals here in Australia, it's okay. But if you're not scoring goals over there, um, you need to be doing something else, right? And if you can't fill that role, um, then there is no role. Yeah. So, and there's just guys ways like you know. Every day, like playing junior for three years over there, every day we'd have new guys, you know, turning up, wanting your job, you know, trying to fight you in practice. And um, then when they do get a chance, they're, you know, they're going out there and giving it everything. And then just you get sent down, you get sent up. You just, you, yeah. This, whereas I think here in Australia, there's not a lot of guys, I mean, in terms of not a whole lot that can replace you generally. Um, waiting on, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. But over there, it's just a, it's a meat market, so you've got a... It's a higher... Yeah. And you're, you, you... Are you almost... Over there, are you almost like you're on... Not eggshells, but you, you've always got to perform. You, there's no room for error. You do. No room for error, but, but it also works out. Of course, both ways. So, yeah, there's no room for error. Um, which means... But also... So, yeah, someone could take your job the following day. But also the flip side of that, too... And, like I've been fortunate overseas is when you do have a really good training camp or you do have a really good day, somebody sees it, um, you, you can make, you will make the team and you do get an opportunity. So that's why it always works both ways. I feel like um, you've got to take the good with the bad. And yeah, like I know some, a lot of guys go and have good training camps and all you need is the right scout. They're there at the right time. Um, and yeah, I mean, anything can happen. And I mean, I think Nathan Walker is a good example of that. I think he's got... He, he did some pretty amazing and impressive things as a kid with, with assuming with the right people watching that um, then opened up opportunities that he took advantage of. Three-quarter time here on A5Q and I've got to tell you, this podcast is the gift that just keeps giving because in the coming weeks, we've got yet another special guest coming on the show. It's Daryl McDonald, who is a legend of the NBL, won three championships, one with the North Melbourne Giants and two with the Melbourne Tigers. He came on to, to chat about his career and and his time in the NBL, so definitely stay tuned for that. But until then, we've got a little snippet for you guys. I'm, okay, I'm not going to say people wasn't giving us a chance, but the way we play, so we play zone all year, and they're like, oh, no, they can't win the championship playing zone. And we, you know, we end up, we end up winning the championship playing zone, but, you know, it was actually a really, it was a, you know, it was a really good zone. And, but after we lost, we lost that first, that first game to Sydney by 30. And they killed us. And then Brett, it's funny, I, 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 I seen it later in like a video. I seen the, the, the look on Brett's face. And he he was almost like, you know, like, what's going on here? Like, he can't believe we got beat that bad. You know what I mean? After, the, after playing the way we did. But then game two, we ended up blowing them out by like 20. And then we beat, this was Sydney I'm talking about, we ended up beating them in game three by like 10. And then we went, you know, we went on the sweep. 
went on to sweep the Magic, and and then yeah, Adelaide. You know, game one, you know, close game. Trust me when I say this is a ripper, ripper interview. So definitely check it out when it becomes available. But in the meantime, let's get back to AIHL champion Greg Oddy. Just as we're about to, to close up now, what do you think it takes? Because you're obviously a good person to ask. What does it take to be a great ice hockey player? What physical skills do you need? Um, well, it's probably two. There's obviously guys that have natural ability and natural talent. Um, I guess for them, it's just um, you know putting it together and, and obviously working hard. And then there's other guys that don't have that talent that, that just you know work work harder than the guy next to them. And so I think I think a lot of it with hockey, I think it's to be successful. I think it's a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff that you do when when no one's watching. That's what gets you ahead. So you know everybody goes out to practice once a week. Everybody plays you know once or twice a week. But what are you doing outside that? You know. Are you, are you in the gym? Are you, you know, are you working on your game? Are you, you know, trying to improve? And I think, from what I've found, the guys that I've played with, they're the guys that generally stand out. They're the guys that have the better, the more successful careers. Um, the guys that just live and breathe hockey and, and just, you know, would do anything to get to the top. Um, and obviously a good attitude. So the body language and stuff like that. So you know, play with enough guys to know when some guys on your team that are just cancers, right? And there's others that. You know, and, and coaches watch that. It's just that their, their, their um, attitude's massive. When you at the higher you go, the higher the level, the attitude does count for a lot. So when you don't get called upon in the you know in the last minute of the game, or when you're not put on the power play, or when you're not, you know, how do you react to stuff like that? Because that normally says a lot about someone. And um, and that's why even going, going back to the earlier days, the Avalanche, I think we had guys that were willing to, to play certain roles and, and different roles that they weren't probably used to. Like they were used to being a goal scorer in like like. Well, they're not the goal scorer, you know, in AHL. So, can they play that role? If they can't play that role, someone else will. And um, yeah, so I think it's just um, attitude's massive. I think, and you don't see many kids go too far with, with with bad attitudes, right? Absolutely not. That's half the battle, really. Yeah, and just wanting to learn, wanting to be better. You know, like a sponge, just asking questions. Um, you know, that's why I love going out and coaching and, and kids asking questions. And you can tell straight away which kids are going to go far and which ones are. You know, once they move up to, they won't be able to take that next step because they won't be able to handle it. So, with the Australian Ice Hockey League and where it sits at the moment, where where do you see it? What is the standard of it at the moment? And do you ever think it will ever be a massive recognised league here in Australia? Obviously, you've got the AFL and the NRL that are the big dogs here in Australia. But do you ever think it will be seen on a massive stage here? Um, I think when the, the facility is probably the one thing holding it back. Because um, again, I think if you put the right, you know, obviously the, the talent and the, the product we put on the ice, um, I don't think that's, you know, you put, the, you put them in the right arena, you get the right fans, you get the right, you know, I think that all takes care of itself. But I think it's just the facilities really holding it back. Um, the growth, you know, you look at Canberra, you look at Adelaide, you look at, um, you know, even Macquarie. Macquarie's okay, but I mean, I guess you just, if you had, you know, five or six you know, ranks similar to Melbourne around the country. I think you would see um, you'll see a lot more fans, a lot more new fans attending the game. You see a lot more corporate coming in, which means money. Um, but right now, that you know, to sponsor ice hockey, it's probably not the most attractive um, proposition, is it? Um, given that, yeah, given televising, you know, the, the product, and, you know, when we televise is quite up to scratch. Given the facilities, right? So I think 
it sounds like there's a bit of a bit of activity happening around that in Canberra. I don't know Adelaide. There's a lot of talk around new ranks. Um, that's going to be massive. And then that attracts new imports and attracts new fans. So I think everything takes care of itself from there. So Greg, just to just to close up now, I just want to ask you three more questions, and I, and I love the, these questions. I'll ask you all in in one here. In your career, whether domestic or international, who is the best player you have ever played with, and why? Who's the best player you've ever played against, and why? And who is the best coach you've ever played under, and why? Oh, God, that's a tough one. Yeah, probably. Um, I would still think probably the best player I played with was um, one of the guys I played with at Notre Dame, Carson Germain. He was 15 and we were all 16, 17, so he was playing up. And um, yeah, he, he was. He ended up going on to play with the Calgary Flames. Um, had a really successful career in you know, American Hockey League and stuff like that. But he just, the way he just dominated games, took over games like I haven't seen before. Um, and that was an eye first going to Canada. Um, in terms of the best uh, coach, I've had a really, some really good coaches. Um, you know, Kelly Lovering stands out. Um, Steve McKenna, just because of the knowledge that he brought with him coming you know, from Pittsburgh and the guys that he'd played with, just, the, you know, and his results, you know, winning Division 2 for the first time and coaching that team. Like, I mean, that says everything, right? That, first um, coach to have ever done it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was, he was massive in that. And, um, but obviously, yeah, John Bochwell, he, he's been, been there from start to finish and, you know, he won all three championships with Adelaide. He won a fourth. So the, if you count the other Goodall Cup, we won in 97. Um, so pretty much all the local leagues, South Australian stuff that I've won, John Rocher has been there. He's been the man. So, yeah, so I've done just so many guys, so many different times and, um, yeah, have made it, had a massive impact on my career. Awesome. Greg, it's been really great to have a chat. I really appreciate you coming on. You are, in my opinion, certainly the greatest player for the Adelaide Adrenaline of all time and I wish you all the very best in everything you're doing now out of ice hockey. I appreciate it, Dan. And that's a wrap. Thank you to everyone for tuning into A5Q. Don't forget to spread the word, subscribe, leave a rating. Until next time, old sport.